Hello, everyone, and welcome to Penny's Politics. I am your host, Penny Sikora. It is October 17th, and on today's show, we're going to talk about prostitution. We're going to talk about tax cuts and whether or not they work. We're going to talk about slavery. Yes, 2017, and we're going to talk about slavery. We're also going to revisit the case of Khalif Broward. And I got a Penny's Punk Boy Award to hand out. But in order to see who it goes to, you got to listen. Four quarters of Penny's Politics coming up right now. to you by zipcar.com earn a 25 hour free driving credit at www.joinzipcar.com forward slash iu radio network did you know that zipcar is the world's largest car sharing network providing wheels when you want them in over 500 cities and towns 500 colleges and at 500 airports again today's show is brought to you by zipcar.com earn your 25 dollar free driving credits at www.joinzipcar.com forward slash iu radio network So, Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Penny Politics. Listen, just log into the Facebook app and use the search query. Type in Penny's Politics. Join in on the live blog. Or you can email Penny questions, comments, concerns. Send me pretty pictures of your family. I don't know. Penny at IUNewsTalk.com. Or you can tweet me at Penny Secor or use the hashtag Penny's Politics on Twitter. Four quarters of Penny's politics, and listen, there is a lot to talk about. There's so much going on, but first I want to I, I want to complain to you guys. I, I, I got a complaint, uh, and so this is my opportunity to pounce. The fourth quarter, you guys know how I do it on my show. I, in the first quarter, we're talking about, yeah, this is my time to just kind of vent to you, America. Listen, Aaron Rodgers has hurt y'all. I'm a Packer fan. That's no secret. I'm a fan of the Green Bay Packers. Penny is a cheesehead. I and I think that our our season is in trouble. Um, our season is in trouble. From the latest reports I hear, it's not as bad as we think. But we're going to lose them up to a month. That's a lot of that's a lot of losses. We're four and two. We can since we can drop to four and six by the time this is he returns. And then we're going to have to have O.A.R.O.D. bail us out. If I'm honest, the Green Bay Packers have an amazing quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and they have surrounded him with some, in many cases, par talent. Now, with all due respect to the Packers, let's just be honest. It's par talent. Because the Packers only go as far as Rodgers is going to take them, and that's not a compliment to the Green Bay Packer organization. I think that they can do much better, much, much better. But, hey, they're doing – they're light years ahead of my my magic. Or my Heat. The Magic, by the way, I think have the worst front office in professional sports. You guys can quote me as a saying that. I'm a big Magic fan, but their front office sucks. They're terrible. It's almost like they get put, put a team good enough to be called professionals and that's it. I don't think that they're actually serious about winning games. Yeah, the coach moves the nice move and they fired the president of the and they they moved in a different direction, but we'll see. We will surely see. But I'm not going to waste too much time in personal conversation. Um, 
because there's so much I, I want to cover. And so I've kind of changed up a little bit and not wasting too much time in the first quarter on my own little personal rants, personalized rants. Um, I've, I've had some inter- interesting conversation uh, throughout the week, you know, and it, it it just continues to remind me that, my God, are we really this partisan? Like, for real. There are people still trying to convince me that Donald Trump is this devout Christian, and I'm not here to judge his walk or not. But I am. Because I don't see it. I just don't see it. Now, certainly anyone is capable of repentance and all that stuff. I get it. But certainly there are fruits uh, that would reflect a the life of a Christian person, which I thought Obama exhibited outside of his legislative activities. I thought in his personal life he exhibited the, the life of a Christian man. At least I thought so. Other people's people disagree because they just didn't vote dim and so it's just natural for them to disagree and ignore what's in front of them but let's let's be honest donald curses like a sailor has a filthy mouth and as a christian in his 70s or his late 60s he should be past that now i like to quote you know my pastor all the time he says that now the the object is not to to be sinless but to daily the object should be to the goal daily should be to sin less, and I'm sure I chopped up that quote, but I that got the gist of uh, what he said, almost exactly what he said. The goal is to be sin sinless, but the goal daily should be to sin less. And if you're in your 70s, you should have, your walk should be a little more perfected than a guy in his in his in his 30s or 40s. Um, but I just don't see it in trouble. That's just me. But I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here judging the man's walk because, again, salvation is free. Anyone can get it. Anyone can make the, the the choice, the the choice at any moment to just listen. I'm going to improve my walk or I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away because repentance does not just mean asking for forgiveness. That's asking for forgiveness. Repentance meaning I turned away. A smoker becomes a non-smoker when they stop smoking. You can't say, well, I'm a non-smoker because I decided I'm not going to smoke on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But on Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm smoking. You're still a smoker, sir. You haven't really given up smoking. Repentance meaning you just quit. You turned away. In any event, we're going to talk about Donald a little later on the show. So I had the opportunity. You know what? I'm going to be honest. My my daughter, my my oldest daughter is, is an amazing human being. Not just because she happens to look most like me and act most like me. That makes her even more amazing. But she's an amazing human being. And she's an extraordinarily intelligent young lady. And and I say that because she's always put me up on game. And no, she's not putting me up on the latest dance move because her dad can't dance. And I don't think that she really wants to laugh at him that much to, to, to suffer him through, to watch him suffer through trying to learn how to dance. Uh, nor does she put me up on the latest a rap song or hip hop, whatever. She's no, that's not why. She's always she loves prison documentaries. She loves prison documentaries, um, and so she's always watching some prison documentary, always. And so, I I came home, and I forget what what day it was. One day from home from work, one day this week, and she was watching Time, uh, the Khalif Browder story, or. Uh, or is it? Am I pronouncing his last name correctly? Browder, Khalif Browder story. 
uh, and for those of you that are unfamiliar, um, he was an African-American male who was arrested at the age of 16 for allegedly stealing a backpack. This guy was in prison for three years in Rikers Island without a trial and without a trial and spent most of his time in solitary confinement. And then three years after his release, he died by suicide. He killed himself. And of course, there's activists calling for reform in the New York City criminal justice system. And uh, Mayor de Blasio had a response. Um, and the president even responded. And I'm going to be honest uh, and I'll, t- I'll talk about it a little bit later because I'm going to go in depth into this story. Uh, Mayor de Blasio, your response was horrible. I'm just going to be blunt and honest with that. And this is this is one of those times in which conservatives are absolutely right in which big government fails. But we're going to get into that. I'm going to talk about that. But it is a horrific story. So in the documentary, and if you haven't seen it, please watch it. But before you watch it, if you're a Christian, pray before you watch this. Oh, my God, just pray. If you're not a Christian, you need to meditate and take deep breaths. And I guarantee you, I don't care what your political political ideology is, this documentary is going to move you. If it doesn't move you, then you probably should call uh, the local funeral home or have your family do it because you're not you're not alive you're not breathing because you're not human but this documentary was whew, and it was like six parts to the documentary and they go through you know and he's and he's actually being interviewed he's still alive being interviewed in the documentary and it goes through him retelling the story and they go through interviewing the police involved and they go through they talk with the mom who picked up the the the, the torch of trying to find justice for her son after he passed away and they they go through video footage of him being in 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 in, in jail and having worked in jail it's like my god what, what have we lost our collective minds and mind you jail is for pre-trial detention. So the whole notion, don't do the crime, don't serve the time, you throw that out the window. This guy had not been convicted of anything, nothing. He had not been convicted of anything. What I am just amazed at is that for three years, three years, the prosecution was able to drag this out for three Years. This guy was in jail, and 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 to add insult to injury, he had bail of nine hundred dollars, nine hundred dollars. And so, when I hear some conservatives say, "Well, you know, if you don't do the crime, you don't serve the time," bail is a fair system. Bail is not fair. It's not a fair system. There are many people sitting in jail that have not been convicted of anything. And it, again, if you if you're accused of a heinous crime. Certainly they have enough evidence on you to hold you. Certainly they do. And like rape or murder. Okay, felony accusations. Okay, I may not want violent felony accusations. I may not be too keen on you having a low bail and bailing out. Although wealthy people that are accused of heinous crimes, violent crimes, they get out because they have the means. Poor people are going to sit. And... That that's a problem. Because regardless of culpability, you're gonna sit if you're poor. And so in the broader case, he was accused. And, and, and if you uh, if you watch, and I don't want to give away too much of the of the of the documentary, but it doesn't matter. You gotta see it anyways. You gotta watch it. But in his particular case, 
It was weak to begin with. And I'll tell you that eyewitnesses are horrible. They are terrible. If you know the history of the American criminal justice system, especially in regards to African Americans, and I don't, I don't want to make this into a racial issue, but the reality is this disproportionately happens to black folks more than anybody else, but it could happen to any per, poor person in which you have an eyewitness pointing the finger at you and then you having to be go through the system. But the, the American ju judicial system or criminal justice system has a history of this happened to black folks. Eyewitness, I saw them do it. You know, they're tried and, and convicted. And it's terrible. But here you had a, a weak eyewitness and the, 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 the prosecution botched this for three years. And there are nine, I think, nine different judges that, that oversaw this could, that could have at any moments called an end to this nonsense. But no, they let him drag it out. And the prosecutors themselves, knowing they had a weak case, and then, and, and throughout the three years while we're dealing with the torture, and listen, for those of you that are always talking about how much of a country club a prison is, you've never been to a prison. You have never been to a prison. And if that's your viewpoint, that because we give prisoners television and, you know, workout benches and a basketball court, that they're, they're, they're living uh, high on the hog or they're living in heaven or they're living in their country club, you need to do yourself, do me a favor and bang your head against the wall real quick to unrattle your brain and come back to reality. It is no country club to be locked in a closet with one other person in many cases for years with no real contact to your family in many cases because most prisons are far removed from the communities that many of the prisoners are from. And that's a whole conversation because cities are too stupid. And yes, I say stupid. They're too stupid to say, put the prison in our backyard. Give me those jobs. And I say stupid again. And here's why cities are stupid for, for when it comes to prisons being built in cities for a couple of reasons. Reason number one, the most obvious reasons, jobs. Prisons mean jobs. There are a ton of jobs. Prisoners now are not always escaping from prison. Prisons are pretty secure. Prison, prison breaks happen, but it's not as common as people would make you believe. And so even if you're living right next door to a prison, the chances are no one's breaking out of that prison. Chances are. And even if they even if they are, they're not going to be breaking in your house trying to hide. They're going to find, they're going to try to get away or they're going to family, which makes them a lot easier to find, by the way. Especially once reward money comes, the family might hold you, but but you know you know couldn't 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 uh, look here uh, look here couldn't uh, no you didn't broke out of the prison, but you know they got money up there for you. I, I'm sorry, I kind of love you, couldn't, but money sounding I'm mighty good right now. So you, I'm about to call. So it's, they're not going to stay out for long. It, it, when, once folks see, they're going to tell. Don't don't buy into the whole snitches get stitches and no snitch. That stop misinterpreting the rules. No snitch policies for those that are a party to the crime telling on you after y'all then committed the crime. 
The no snitch rule is not something that is preventing police officers from solving crimes because people in the community don't want to tell what's happening. No, the reason they don't want to tell is not because of a no snitching policy. They don't want to tell because they're afraid because they're not being protected. That's another story. Getting back to the prisons issue in cities, rule number one, jobs. Prisons mean a lot of jobs and cities are passing up on opportunities to have jobs. Jobs. Secondly, that would, all, that would also improve the diversity of some of these prisons and dealing with some of these inmates. Thirdly, that would give inmates closer access to their families. Yes, inmates, most of them are getting out of prison. In fact, I think like, is it 95 or 97% of prisoners are getting out? And you want to prepare them to come back into your communities. You don't want to just give them this harsh sentence and then release these uneducated, unjobbed, unskilled, unjob trained, unskilled individuals back into society. Because guess where they're heading back? To prison. Because they're not prepared. They weren't prepared when they went in. If they were, they wouldn't have not have gone in. And so you want to prepare them and release them in, back into the community so they, they can be productive, tax-paying citizens. But you got the job angles that with the cities. You got the the the, the proximity to families to, to help these prisoners. And then the, the, the last one is that you would then not have the, the laws. I, I guarantee you, you wouldn't have the, the legislators outside of big cities passing stupid laws to fill prisons. You wouldn't have that. Because people in, in the urban areas, I would hope, would have more sense not to pass laws to lock up more of their own people. I don't think that that would happen. But certainly if I'm in a rural area, what you say, you gonna, you gonna do what? My legislator want to make jaywalking a felony? Now look here, the last time they passed a law like that, there were a, a thousand jobs over at the maximum security, and my uncle's them got a job, and I need one, and them jobs pay good, and they got benefits and unions and retirements and pensions. Oh, yeah, pass that jaywalking law so we can get more prisoners, so we can get some jobs around here, because our farms ain't been turning no profits, and that's... And so they pass laws, and they have this tough on, it's easy to have the tough on crime when the people in your community aren't being locked up in droves. And so your community benefits. Entire towns are built around prisons. And so it's, it's a jobs maker. And so that's getting back to the reasons that cities fail and that how they could benefit and how prisons should be in cities. And then let's hear folk talk about rural America and picking up by the booster and all the other crap. Yes, I'm creating a rural urban versus rural fight here, and I know that I should be about unity. But I'm just, I'm just giving you guys a different perspective here and showing you how cities are dumb. And yes, cities are dumb. It's so easy to convince them this is not a good idea to build here. But in the defense of some cities, the question would be where would you put the prisons? Because many cities don't have the space. That's a whole nother conversation. In any event, so Khalif Browder is incarcerated three years, pre-trial confinement. He's spending a lot of time in uh, solitary confinement, which is un inhumane. People go insane. People were not meant to be caged like animals. And someone makes a great point 
in the documentary. They say that we that in America, the standard is you cannot uh, cage animals in that fashion, but it's legal to do so to humans. And I've made the argument before, and we've seen it. You know, and the NFL is a great example of this. We've seen, you know, athletes abuse their spouse and beat their kids and they get slaps on the wrist. But, oh, you beat animals, you're going to jail. You're going to jail now. We certainly hold animals to a higher regard than we hold than we do humans. I'm almost convinced that if someone were to take an AK-47 or a AR-15 and just go ham in a animal a pet shop, oh, there'd be some gun control legislation the next day. Because we hold animals to a high regard. And the justification is that, well, animals do no wrong to people. Sure they do. We put them to sleep all the time. But this is human beings we're talking about here. Your justification is that because some humans are bad, that it's okay to kill some of them, which is essentially the argument that you're making. But back on the documentary, you see the brutal treatment of the young man in the prison. Again, I've worked behind the walls, and you know I understand how some officers view people. They don't view them as people. Some view them as animals, which is ridiculous. And you wonder why there are prison riots and officers get attacked. It's not because prisoners are inherently evil, because many of them, after they've committed their crimes, many of them just want to do their time and move on with their lives. But if you're calling me animal day in and day out and you're degrading me, most humans want respect. If you disrespect me daily, (laughs) you might have some hell to pay and you better not turn your back. Those are facts, people. But this young man, he wasn't even an adult. These are adults that get treated this way and have to endure it. But this guy was a kid. He was 16. He was a kid. And he's being treated this way. The mental trauma that he took on had to be excruciatingly painful. Both mentally and physically. And they starved him. They would give him half eaten, already eaten plates of food. And by the way, this same uh, documentary uncovered the fact that a former Marine who was arrested, I forget what the Marine was arrested for, but he in a hot cell and and begged for ice or water, and they they just let him bake in there and he died. That has got to be a horrendous death. And this guy is a former Marine. And so I watched the documentary and I watched all the footage and I listened to them interview this poor kid. Yes, kid. And each there there were several opportunities for him to be granted freedom. He at first they were offering him, well, plead to the felony time served. You 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 go or or no, they were offering him short sentences. Plead to the felony will you be a few months here, and then eventually. One of the last offers was please to to this misdemeanor and you can go home. And this young man had the intestinal fortitude of of all the men in Iwo Jima during that battle. Because he kept saying, no, I didn't do it. 
I, I'm, I didn't do it. And there was another story in, in, in the, about his older brother who got fellatio from a young lady and then got, got, got eyewitnessed to being this sexual predator. And so, of course, he got arrested and pled down, pled to a, you know, pled to a, a felony against his better judgment. And so the Browder family had been through some things, a lot of things. And as I continue to watch this documentary, I just, every segment is like, you got to be kidding me. And then they hit, they talked about the poor mom, his poor mother, Benita Browder. See, in this particular case, this poor woman was taking the bus across town, the long bus ride across town to Rikers and back. And she talked about how she would cry going to the prison. She would cry when she leaves. Because it's painful to see your, your relatives in prison. This, these are the victims that we don't think about, we don't talk about. While we're sitting here pounding our chest about doing crimes and all this other stuff, we don't think about the other victims, the families of these individuals that are incarcerated. It's hard. I have a brother that's that that that's incarcerated, and I love him dearly. Yes, he did a stupid crime, and yes, he's serving his time. Not a violent guy in any way, shape, or form. And no, I'm not just saying that. I'm not saying my brother's a good guy. What I'm saying is he's not a violent guy. But when he first got locked up, it was difficult for me to to go visit him and then leave. And yes, there are times in which I would cry leaving the prison, real thug tears. Because it's hard to watch your sibling, you're leaving them there, they're stuck there, away from you and away from family. It is difficult. It is hard sometimes when he calls, and I know that he loves to hear from me. And again, I worked inside the wall, so I know the, these guys live for communication from their loved ones from the outside. You're doing mail, and it gets, do you want to know the quietest time? On the on the on the uh, on the cell block, when you're handing out mail, because these individuals they 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 they're they're looking forward to communication from the outside. Because you know what, they're still human. They're still human. They want that outside contact. But I don't want to get too far off the subject. But this poor woman who believed her son was innocent was going back and forth, having to leave him there for three years. And she watched him lose weight because he was being starved. And but he wouldn't really let on to the fact and, and, and that he had tried to kill himself many times because he be, he had been going to court and thinking that he's about to go home, only to be told you're not going home, only to be sent back to solitary confinement. That has got to be horrible, especially considering you did nothing. You did nothing wrong. That has got to be horrible. And throughout this documentary, you know, you watch the mom struggle. And, 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 and unfortunately, you know, the mom who would outlive her son, not by very much because she had heart problems. She had congestive heart failure. And she dealt with that throughout the, uh, throughout the documentary. You, you, you see her. But this woman was strong. She was strong, trying to be strong there for her son as she, as she fights the good fight, even after he killed himself. 
And that's the the tragic part about it. He got out and he was just never the same. He did get out. He went to college. And I know I'm telling a lot of documentary, but you got to see it. I'm telling you. But he got out, goes to college. He, he just, he was never the same. He was never the same. And he ultimately took his own life. And that was, that was hard to, to relive. Obviously, I, I, my hard to relive is nothing compared to what his family had to go through. And to, to make matters worse, that wasn't even the worst of it. That wasn't even the worst of it. The poor man kills himself. They launched uh, the, the but, but before he died, um, they hired an attorney and they sued the city. And they should have, because this, everything that's wrong with the judicial, American justice system was displayed in this one case, this one case. And how did Mayor de Blasio respond? How did they respond? <laughs> well, first of all, let's talk about the suit. They should be sued. Absolutely. The, the city should have been sued because this, this is the fault of just, uh, there's faults everywhere, but we're going to talk about that on the second half. Who, what, what went wrong? Why was Mayor de Blasio's response terrible? What did Barack Obama get correct out of this? And how were conservatives right about big government? Use the Facebook app. Search Penny's Politics. The live blog now. I want you guys to email me because you know I like your opinions. And I'm going to read a couple of them when we return. You listen to Penny's Politics. Tweet me at Penny Sakura. Penny's Politics returns after this. Stay tuned. is offering 20% off of your first order. Now, to save 20% off your first order, go to www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU radio network. Again, www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU radio network to save 20% off of your first order. And make sure that you put in AAP 20 cast for the savings. Now, did you know that Advanced Auto Parts have been in business over 75 years and has helped the nations do it yourselfers fix their vehicles? Advanced Auto Parts is also your source for quality auto parts, advice, and accessories. So go ahead and get your 20% off today of your first order at advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. And make sure you put in the code AAP20CAST for your 20% savings.
show your support for the Independent Underground Radio Network, which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows, including Constitutionally Speaking with host Autumn Smith, Third Wave Feminism with host Jenny and Diane, Penny's Politics with host Penny Sequoia, and our flagship show, Independent Underground Radio Live with host Monica R.W. So how can you show that support? By going to get the Independent Underground Radio Network app for just $2.99 at Google Play or the Apple Store. Just go and put in the search for Independent Underground Radio Network on Google Play or at the Apple Store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone, your tablet, computer, or wherever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the Independent Underground Radio Network. Remember, just go to Google Play or the Apple Store, search for Independent Underground Radio Network, and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent life political anywhere in the world at the Independent Underground Radio Network. Facebook app, search Penny's Politics. Email me, penny at iunewstalk.com. Tweet me at Penny Sakura. Join in on the live conversation, though, right now online. Uh, I want to hear what some of the people are saying in real time. Uh, definitely a lot of people talking about how painful this documentary was to watch, and it was. And I'm not saying it was easy. Uh, but it's a great documentary if you have not seen it. It's called Time, six-part series produced by Spike Lee. Jay-Z is one of the executive producers. Yes, Jay-Z, who has definitely recovered from that whole Barney's incident. He has done a, a, some amazing things. And I admit I'm a Jay-Z fan, but I criticize him harshly uh, during the whole Barney's uh, situation. And I have since moved on from that. I've let that go because he has just done some amazing work as a result since then and not that he cares about my criticism anyway but i'm a fan so he cares he better care and gave him a lot of money and helped him earn some of that what eight nine hundred million dollars he's worth because he is one of the few there's only two artists who music other than mike michael jackson there's only two artists really whose music i'll buy uh that's jay-z and john p key uh who uh, if you listen to the show my opening uh, my theme music is jay-z that's his that's him because i'm a big jay-z fan and any event, so getting back to this particular, let's talk about, I'm not going to go into more detail. You want to see more about what happened, you got to watch the documentary. It is great. It is powerful. I want to talk about the failures here because it wasn't one thing to be shuffled before, I believe, nine different judges throughout this three years. And the fact that none of them put it into this including a judge who I believe became district attorney who felt like her hands were not dirty in this, even though she failed to put an end to this. And the fact that the, that New York's or, or the Bronx's courts were so tied up that they brought in a judge, not to render a bunch of justice, but to kind of clear up the backlog by forcing people into plea deals. Yes. She was known. She, I believe she has a reality show. 
but she's known for forcing people into plea deals by essentially scaring them. You know, if you don't take, if you go to trial, you could be looking at more time, which I never, I never understood that. If the person believes that they're innocent, why should they be facing more time? Well, if you take this plea, we'll give you less time to plead out. But if you go to trial, we're going to be more time. You'll be facing more time. It's kind of like a punishment. That's deterring people from their due process. Everyone has a right to trial. I believe most people should go to trial. Present your evidence. Now, if you're guilty, take a plea, move on with your life. But here's the problem. Here's the flaw in that. Most people, the overwhelming majority, I want to say 9 out of 10 trial or 9 out of 10 uh, 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 cases go, they, they're pled out. And it's not always an admission of guilt. You have a, you, you have a poor person who's been in, in pre-trial detention for a year. Hell, for six months, they're ready to go home. They want to get back to their families. And so again, regardless of guilt, the, I'll, I'll plea. I want to go home. And even his, even the, even his mother said she would have. He's much stronger than she was. She would have pled a long time ago and gone home. And even people in prison kept saying, "Dude, why are you still here? Take your plea and go." And so, and, and these people are now criminals who will be treated as such for the rest of their lives. And if they're felons, they wear that scarlet letter for the rest of their lives. And life is more difficult than them. We don't even know if they really committed the crime. Because we don't, want, we don't bother looking at the circumstances. But, it, but, but so the, the, the system failed in that regard. And so she's moving along cases here. But he didn't, he didn't waver. But that's a failure. That's not how you dole out justice. You don't just get a judge. We need you to clean this up because we know you're going to take a plea so you can get this backlog cleared up, which is another failure of the, 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 the courts. They're backlogged. And the, these, these public defenders are un, grossly underfunded. There aren't enough of them. They're grossly underfunded. And so are the courts. The courts are grossly underfunded. I'll never understand why we spend so much money in policing to get these people off the streets, but we're not even... Shift, shift, shuffling them through the judicial process fast enough. The courts are backlogged. They're backlogged. It's, it's. We're taking in all this water, but we try to, to, to for the people to drink. But the, the, the this one filtration plant operating at ten percent. And so there's not much clean water coming out. And this is our judicial system. But that's not the only failure. It gets worse. Why is this teenage kid being put in solitary confinement, which is where Obama got it right? He put a ban to that. He got it right. We should not be throwing kids in solitary confinement. Ever. Thirdly, the bail system. Wrong. Um, bail for $900 for three years. There should be some equal in time there somewhere. That money should have equal time in there somewhere. And this guy should have been released on his own recognizance. Not only that. The, the abuses. Why are these guards, not these officers, corrections officers, not being charged? 
He was handcuffed in one of the videos getting beat. How is a handcuffed person dangerous? There ain't no way a handcuffed person is whooping me ever. With handcuffs behind your back, I can push you down. You are defenseless. The worst you can do is spit at me. It's the worst. It's all you got. Or kick me, maybe. But if you kick me, I can take you down. You're handcuffed. So that's another failure. But, and, and yes, conservatives are correct when they say big government, and this is big government. It's big government bureaucracy. Are, that's how you're able to have nine different judges looking at this same case and not and shuffling it along and not really giving it its due diligence. But where Republicans are wrong, where conservatives are wrong, this thing is underfunded, grossly underfunded. But the liberal response, the Democratic response, because Bill de Blasio is a liberal Democrat, you know what his response was? I'm going to close Rikers. That was the response. Not I'm going to clean up the, the, the prisons. I'm going to retrain and fire bad officers in within my prisons. I'm going to close the prison. Typical liberal response. Typical. We'll just shut the whole thing down. No, you fix it. You fix it, Mr. Mayor. You fix it. You don't shut down whole prisons in populated areas like New York. People, bad people still need to be put somewhere. You can just clean it up. You can do bail reforms right there, and you can definitely deal with the staff that you're paying to do the job. Clean it up. Wisconsin had a problem with suicides. And so what did Wisconsin do? They didn't say, well, we're going to shut down all the prisons. No, they cleaned it up. Now, certainly they're having a problem with one of the youth facilities, and I think that the entire facility needs to be shut down. Mainly because I think that youths should be housed in proximity to their families. Because most of them getting out. Well, actually, most of all prisoners getting out. But the youth are getting out soon. So they need to have that support system for which to, 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 to become better people. But that's another conversation. Because I know somebody's going to bring it up. But Mayor de Blasio, Mr. Mayor, you you don't, no, clean it up. Clean up Rikers. Because guess what happens to all that staff when you shut it down? They got jobs elsewhere. They're going to get jobs elsewhere within the prison. Most union contracts kind of state that. And guess where that same, those same foolish officers are going to do this, continue to do the same foolish things. That's like, that's like the, in the case of the Tamir Rice situation, the officer that shouldn't have had a job, 26-year-old Timothy uh, uh, Lehman, who shouldn't have had a job because his previous department basically said this dude wasn't fit for duty, then he got hired in Cleveland. That's what happens. Instead of cleaning up the, your workforce, 
send them elsewhere. And they take that same bad attitude and horrible professionalism and just terribleness to another facility or another city. And they do the same stupid stuff. This is not fixing the problem, Mayor. It's not. And the, uh, typical liberal response. Typical. Shut her whole thing down. Shut her down. And so when conservatives say that there's a slippery slope, I, I, I understand it now. I always understood it, but I get it. And as a result, we can't make any, and I won't say common sense. I won't say common sense. I will say logical. Logical reforms. Logical change. Because conservatives are afraid of the, 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 the overreaction, which can be typical liberal. I'm not going to say conservatives don't overreact, because they certainly do. But in this case, the liberals overreacted. And uh, I just, I'm not surprised, though, and that, that they missed the mark on this particular, in this particular situation. There's many areas in which not just liberals, but government misses the mark. And this is where government becomes in, insufficient and just terrible. Because they don't think that it's knee jerk. The re responses are knee jerk. And I get it. There's all this public pressure, and you got to do something. And in the, in the, the era of the 24 hour news networks or the 24 hour news cycle, you got to do something quick because you don't have time to, to give a well thought out response and plan this stuff out. And so I understand. I get it. But this this kid was failed. He was failed miserably. And this type of this, this stuff is going to it's going to continue to happen. Right now, there are people sitting in a waiting trial that have been sitting there for months. And some of these people owe tickets. Some of these people have bail as low as two hundred and fifty dollars. They just don't have it to get out. We should not be in. And the overwhelming majority of them, and actually, I should say, all of them, are in there for nonviolent crimes. Most of those crimes misdemeanors. Many of them won't even get prison time or jail time post-conviction. But yet we're holding them. And this is supposed to be justice. No, it's not justice. We're warehousing human beings. For who? For what? It doesn't make us any safer. It doesn't. But we are convinced that somehow, yeah, it does. It, it, I feel safer now, right now. Yeah, I feel safer right now. Right now, I, the, the bad guy there, they committed a crime and they're in, they're in jail. Well, they're, 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 they're in jail because they owe tickets. They owe for tickets. Kind of counterproductive. You want them to pay the fine, and so you pay, because we pay, to lock them up. And the, the total amount of incarceration ends up being more than the fine they owe, so it's, you're taking a loss. So it, ma it makes no sense. But you want criminal justice reform, a few things. One, start paying the public defenders more money. Start paying the prosecutors more money. Let's fully, let's fund these offices. Let's fund the offices. Let's, let's fund this, these public defenders' offices because everyone has a right to defense. It's a constitutional right. And we should be funding it. Poverty 
should not be the reason why you don't get justice. But again, poor people have less a chance at a just outcome when compared to their wealthy counterparts, both races included, regardless of culpability. It is better to be rich and guilty than poor and innocent in our American judicial system in the greatest country on the planet. And before someone tells me, well, tell me where it's better. Tell me where it's better. Tell me where it's better. Nah, bro, that, that, that doesn't fly with me. Nah, fam. We're the ones pounding our chests saying that we are the leader of the free world. We're the ones saying that we're the greatest country anywhere while simultaneously saying make America great again. I don't know how that works. How you can, how I can say I'm the best player on the park, but I'm going to be great again. I thought I was the best player. I thought I was the greatest already. But I'm, I got to move on. I got to move on. I've spent a lot of time talking about that. It was a moving documentary. You got to see it. It's a great documentary, but, but I have to move on. But before I move on, I got one last piece to add to this, uh, to this documentary. Well, I'm going to close with this because I got a Penny's Punk Boy Award to hand out. And this week's recipient it really pissed me off. So throughout the documentary or later in the documentary, I learned, you learned that his bill was $900. And he has a dad that could have paid it the whole time. This dude was missing because the dad thought he was guilty. So the dad was MIA. But something brought the dad around. It was a civil suit. A civil suit. I'm not going to have a lot of detail about that whole part because, you know, got to leave some. I mean, I've told a lot of the documentary. Got to leave something to your imagination to before you watch uh, the documentary. I want to surprise you by everything. But the dad came back around and in typical form. This fool came around because he was chasing dollars. Music maestro. For being an irresponsible, ugly, stupid, evil, half pint of a man, spineless, opportunistic, deadbeat, and yes, you two are also one of the reasons that your son's demise occurred, because you just weren't a dad. You didn't show up for him, and you weren't there for him. Eddie Broward, you, sir, are this week's Penny's Punk Boy. You punk. I know it's early in the show for me to hand out that award, but I had to get it out of the way so I can end this conversation and move on. With that said, I want to talk about tax cuts. So President Donald Trump is has released his tax cut plan. And so far there is not I have not seen how they're going to reconcile revenue because and I and I know that conservatives say, well, Penny, if you cut taxes, uh, the listen, if you cut taxes, the revenue is going to come because when you take the government out of the way, 
and I keep to keep I get to keep more of my own money, that there's gonna boost the economy, and I'm gonna be able to spend, and more jobs are gonna be able to create it, and that means more tax paying Americans are gonna appear. And we're going to be able to pay down the debt in that fashion. And big business is going to cut taxes and they're going to hire more people. It's going to be great, a great, again, penny, because that's how the economy works. The economy is not quite that simple. Doesn't work quite that simple. If you cut taxes, you better find a way to, to reconcile the revenue because if not, you're going to drive up the deficit. That's what happens when you cut taxes. So you better there better be some spending cuts in there somewhere, or you better find a way to reconcile revenue somehow, because stuff has to be paid for. If you don't believe me, let's ask Kansas. Uh, there's a article in the Atlantic saying that you better learn our lessons. Kansas Republicans say they are worried that Congress and the Trump administration will repeat the tech the mistake that they made in enact, enacting budget busting tax cuts. Yes. Tax cuts bust budget, explode deficits. The, re- the regretful Republicans of Kansas have a message for the tax-cutting Republicans of Congress. Don't follow our lead. If states are, as Justice uh, Luis Brando famously called them, the laboratories of democracy, then Kansas's experiment in conservative tax reform set off an explosion of red ink. Steep cuts for businesses and individuals failed to produce a promised economic boom and busted the state's budget instead. Now the GOP legislators that oversaw and ultimately canceled that fiscal study and are increasingly worried that Washington will ignore its central finding. A tax reform plan from the White House and Republican congressional leaders mirrors the structure of legislation Kansas passed, and it has been accompanied by the same confident assurances that it will, quote, pay for itself with economic growth. And that's the argument. But Mayor Jerry, uh, Mayor Brown, or Mayor, Governor Brownback found that out the hard way. Uh, That won't work, so you better learn from our lesson, Warren. Kansas State Senator Barbara uh, Boilier, a Republican who voted against the tax cuts originally and then fought to undo them earlier this year. At the behest of the conservative governor, Sam Brownback, Republican majorities in Kansas in 2012 states set the state's income tax on a march to zero and eliminated taxes on companies whose owners filed their taxes as individuals, a loophole exploited by thousands of businesses that result in plummeting revenue to the state's coffers. Brownback, a former U.S. senator and, potential, uh, and presidential candidate, hailed the policy as a, quote, Real live experiment in conservative governance. But in the eyes of all but Brownback and his staunchest supporters, the test failed. Economic growth never materialized, and the state's legislature could not summon the political will, will or overcome legal roadblocks to cut spending to match the lower revenue. With annual deficits in the hundreds of millions, Kansas has been mired in a perpetual budget crisis ever since it was supposed to increase the gdp and it didn't the feds will have will have the same problem said state senator jim denning a conservative who originally supported the tax cuts in a phone interview denning told me he had done his own economic economic modeling in 2012 and proved to myself that the tax cut would work but the new policy did not 
prevent a rural recession in Kansas or a dip in its oil and gas business. It generated hardly any measurable economic activity, Denning said. By the beginning of the year, he had changed, changed course and had voted along with Democrats, and the coalition of Republicans reversed most of the cuts, erasing Brownback's economic legacy. The governor won't be in much as uh, uh, the governor won't be in office much longer. He accepted a diplomatic post in the Trump administration and will resign once he's confirmed by the Senate. And I'm and I'm not gonna beat up too bad. But we 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 see you can't cut simply cut taxes and expect this magical economic boom to happen. Now I'm not saying tax cuts don't work to boost economies. Yeah. But that's part of it. Economies are economy the the economy is very complex. And it it's not that simple. And I hate that when anyone, and even liberals, because simple government spending alone does not boost economies either uh the fdr plan part helped it helped it's the this the government spending certainly helped but having the rest of the world torn to pieces and not producing anything really helped so but let's be clear when conservatives say, oh, tax cut, tax cut, 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 cut your way to prosperity, it doesn't work. It does not work. Because the reality is there are some government programs and government spending that is very necessary. And sure, waste can be found, but let's be honest. We don't really do a good job of looking for waste anywhere. We, 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 what we do is we want to cut waste from the programs we don't like. And I don't care what party, you're, what party you are. We're not genuine and bipartisan in cutting waste. The Republicans want to cut programs such as welfare. And in many cases, education spending. And Democrats want to cut, well, roads. They, they don't have a problem cutting a road, and they want to cut the fence. That, that's typically how it goes. I want cuts, but I want to cut the programs that you like. And that's not good governance. It certainly is not. And another problem, that, that another reason that you can't govern is because being bipartisan is kind of like Bad now. We've become so hyper-partisan that, that being partisan is bad. There's a elect, there's a, the, the, a local legislator, he's back in office in Wisconsin, uh, by the name of Jason Fields, and I, he, ran, he ran for re-election. And one of the things that reason that they were able to, his own party was able to browbeat him is because he worked with Republicans, which is supposed to be a good thing, but they viewed it, his own party viewed it as a bad thing because we're that hyper-partisan. And that is bad when Boehner was going to work with the president on what would have been a great compromise. He chose not to. Why? Because the Tea Party decided that being bipartisan wasn't a good idea. And that created the, the rift between Boehner and the president. And, and, and we, we're still there being bipartisan. You cannot dare work with the Democrats because the Democrats hate America and want to kill babies. And the Democrats say you cannot dare work with Republicans because the Republicans want to go to war and they're racist. And so you have this rift that will continue because bipartisan working together just it's not a thing anymore. We've moved past that stage. And again, in this hyperpartisan environment, that's one of the problems. But we're gonna continue this conversation. It's halftime. Second quarter is over. It's halftime. 
Use the Facebook app. Search Penny's Politics. Search for Penny's Politics. Join the group. Join the live blog right now. Email me, Penny, at IUNewsTalk.com or tweet me at Penny Sakura. The second half of Penny's Politics when I return. Stay tuned. is just the beginning. FreshBooks will also make managing your expenses, staying on top of who owes you what, and tracking your time the easiest part of your day. If your business keeps you constantly on the move, not to worry. The FreshBooks mobile app can keep up. You can use the camera on your phone to capture your receipts while you watch FreshBooks magically create your expense reports for you. If you do have questions, contact the award-winning FreshBooks team and get help from real life humans no phone tree no less we escalate that no i will get back to you just helpful service at the drop of a hat so to try freshbooks free for 30 days just go to www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash iu radio network again www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash IU Radio Network and enter independent underground news and talk into the how did you hear about us section. So I've had the opportunity to move to this beautiful and amazing state called Florida. I've also had the opportunity of moving to this amazing network called IU News and Talk. Hi. I'm Penny Sikora, host of Penny's Politics. Tune in Tuesdays from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as I give you my unique, no-spin style of politics. The truth is what you're going to get here. Sometimes that truth is beneficial. Sometimes you hear the truth and you're like, you know what? I can dig that. I like that. It lets me know I'm on the right side of the argument. But there are other times when the truth is going to make you upset, you're going to be upset with Penny. But you know what? I'm still going to tell you the truth. So tune in Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to Penny's Politics here on IU News and Talk.
show your support for the Independent Underground Radio Network, which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows, including Constitutionally Speaking with host Autumn Smith, Third Wave Feminism with host Denny and Diane, Penny's Politics with host Denny Sequoia, and our flagship show, Independent Underground Radio Live with host Monica R.W. So how can you show that support? By going to get the Independent Underground Radio Network app for just $2.99 at Google Play or the Apple Store. Just go and put in the search for Independent Underground Radio Network on Google Play or at the Apple Store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone, your tablet, computer, or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the Independent Underground Radio Network. Remember, just go to Google Play or the Apple Store, search for Independent Underground Radio Network, and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent life political anywhere in the world at the Independent Underground Radio Network. You are listening to Penny's Politics on Independent Underground Radio. Email Penny at Penny at IUNewsTalk.com. I want to hear what you guys think. I want to know what's going on out there, America. If you want to join in in the conversation right now on the live blog, come on Facebook and join the group Penny's Politics. Join in on the conversation. If you want to tweet me, tweet me at Penny Sikora or use the hashtag Penny's Politics and remember, coming soon is uh, we're gonna well face or I'm sorry YouTube channel coming soon. That has been the source of a lot of my emails. People are saying, "So Penny, when are you gonna be doing the YouTube channel?" Listen, it is coming. It is coming. It'll be here before the holidays. Although that does give me a lot of time to kind of get things going. It, but it's coming. The YouTube channel is definitely coming uh, because I, a lot of people are interested in seeing. Seeing me for some odd and awkward reason. Uh, I don't, why? I don't know. I'm not an ugly guy. I just don't know why people want to see me. I'm kidding. They want to. They want to hear my good political commentary. In any event, so I found this story on the Huffington Post, where a Louisiana sheriff wants good prisoners to stay jailed for their free labor. He's wishing. For what is essentially slavery, the ACLU said, a sheriff in Louisiana has been railing against the state's new prisoner release program, saying many of the, those, quote, good inmates need to stay behind bars for the free labor they provide. Last week, Caddish Parish Caddo Parish Sheriff Steve Prater blasted the state's justice reinvestment package, a series of bills passed in June that could reduce Louisiana's prison population by 10% and save more than $260 million over the next decade by solely re- releasing nonviolent offenders. The legislation is set to go into effect by on November 1st and would authorize the early release of 1,400 prisoners across 21 parishes in the state. Just 25 prisoners would be immediately re- released in Caddo uh, Parish, but that seems to be too many for Prater, who 
said the state needs to needs them to wash quote wash cars. Uh, there's a video. Uh, there's a video that goes along with this. In addition to the bad ones, they're releasing some good ones that we use every day to wash cars, to change the oil in the cars, to cook in the kitchen, to do all where we save money. He continued, where they're going to let them out, the ones that we use in the ones that we use in work release programs. Marjorie Esman, executive director of the ACLU of Louisiana, told HuffPost that Prater's desire to keep prisoners is purely for their free labor. I'm sorry, Prater's desire to keep prisoners purely for their free labor is, quote, essentially slavery. The purpose of the criminal justice system is to keep the community safe and to make sure that nobody is incarcerated any longer than necessary, Esman said. It certainly is not to provide free labor for law enforcement officials. That is essentially slavery. It is obviously not only ludicrous, but a gross violation of people's rights. There's a quote from Angela Harris in NAACP Legal Defense Fund. She says, almost as if he forgets that he's talking about human beings, like he's speaking about animals or cattle. Prater went on to say that the state is risking our safety for bragging rights and to save money. The bragging rights Prater might be referring to is Louisiana's desire to relinquish its spot as a U.S. state with the highest incarceration rate. Louisiana is somewhat a special case just because it is such a substantial proportion of its state's prison population being held in, held in local jails. Mark Maurer, executive director of the Sentencing Project, told HuffPost this has been going on for a very long time, and many of the local sheriffs welcome it because it's bringing in more money into their jurisdictions. It is one of the number, one, number of factors that have contributed to Louisiana being a national leader in its use of imprisonment, and that's nothing to be proud of. Angela Harris uh, assistant counsel for the NAACP defense, Legal Defense Fund said she was shocked to, that an elected official like Prater would make such a callous and disturbing comment. I'm not shocked. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not shocked. I have been around politicians for a very long time and stuff like this is said all the time. You know what's changing? Social media. That's changing. We're starting to see this stuff being reported more frequently. But the article continues. Prater is talking directly about economic exploitation of human beings, which is one of the biggest issues in our criminal justice systems, Harris told HuffPost. It's almost as if he forget that, and, and she quoted, it's almost, I quoted it earlier, it's almost as if he's talking about human, that he forget that he's talking about human beings, like he's speaking about animals or cattle. It brought on images of slavery, quite frankly, she said. You think about demo, the demographics of who he is talking about. It's overwhelmingly black and brown bodies. Who were being housed in his jail and in those prisons. A statement in a statement from the Caddo Prayer Sheriff's Office, spokeswoman Cindy Chadwick doubled down on the sheriff's statements while criticizing Intercept reporter Shaw King for tweeting that Prater likes keeping good black quote good black men in jail. And I'm not and I'm not gonna continue uh on this. We know that Louisiana's prison population is about 66% black. And I'll be honest, I don't think the sheriff necessarily was singling out black folk, although a lot of black people in his prison, so certainly you can draw that conclusion. But I, don't think, I, think, I don't think he was that smart to see what he, that he was singling out black people, although he should have known. But... He certainly should know that what he essentially is asking for is people to stay locked up for slavery purposes. That is just stupid. Um, but I, but there's a there, yeah, there's a video, there's audio and video. Take a listen. 
place out there. I don't want uh, state prisoners, okay? They are a necessary evil to keep the doors open that we keep a few or keep some out there. And that's the ones that you can work. That's the ones that can pick up trash, the work release programs. But guess what? Those are the ones that they're releasing. In addition to the in addition to the bad ones, and I call these bad, in addition to them, they're releasing some good ones that we use every day to to wash cars, to change oil in our cars, to cook in the kitchen, to do all that where we save money. Well, they're gonna let them out. Because I mean hell, why would you let the good prisoners out? They're the ones that are doing all the free work for us here in the state. I mean, come on now. Y'all got to come. Listen, I can wreck. I, listen, I can reckon you le- releasing some of the bad ones, but the we need them good ones. This guy said this out loud on a hot mic and knowingly said what he was saying. And <laughs> I wish that you could make some of this stuff up. I really wish that you can make some of this stuff up. But Louisiana, the king of incarceration in America has a, a local sheriff that said out loud, I don't want to release good prisoners. And listen, this is where I will give it because the, 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 the Louisiana legislature is, is it's a mostly Republican legis- led legislature. They, the, at the breakdown is there's 105 seats in the legislature. Uh, there are 60 of those seats are filled by Republicans, 40 Democrats, there's three independents and there's two vacancies. This is Louisiana. And they passed, they passed legislation to try to empty the prisons. And, and, and I'll admit, it wasn't the Republicans saying, hey, look, we need criminal justice reform because we just have, we're incarcerating too many because Republicans will incarcerate as many as it takes. But it, it was to save $260 million. That's 10% of the, the, the Department of Corrections budget. Uh, which means they're spending almost three billion dollars, three billion dollars, in in locking up folks, and so they wanted to save money. And I and I, and I the the point that I've had with many folk that uh, about criminal justice reform, and, and we're going to talk about there's another story we're going to talk about slavery, which I had a very spirited conversation about when it comes to criminal justice reform, because I said, I'm not that outraged about it. And we're, I'm going to segue into that in just a second, but the Louisiana, they're trying to move forward because Republicans, some fiscal conservatives want to save money and they see that we're wasting money and housing nonviolent criminals is not making communities safer. It's just not because these people aren't out there wrecking, wreaking havoc, violent havoc on our communities. They're just not. And so if you can kind of put them back out there to work and pay taxes, that's much better for us because we're not paying to house them, which saves the state money and actually makes the state money because they're going to contribute to society. Prison should be for violent people, violent folks that cannot be out without hurting other people. Rapists, murderers, knife wielders, cutters, and gun shooters, and punch throwers, and house fire setters. And kid touchers and women touchers, unwarranted women touchers, and men touchers, and little boy touchers, and little girl touchers. These people need to be behind in bars, behind bars. Everybody else needs to be out here reforming, getting their lives together, and paying taxes because you're not a threat to 
people's safety. No. So I give Louisiana state legislature credit in this instance. But this sheriff for going on on and saying that, you need to be ashamed of yourself. And that's just terrible. But that's how a lot of people look at prisoners. They're not human. That's a problem. That is a reform. These are people's, and I get it. They committed a crime. They're serving their time. But they're still human when they, they were human when they came into the prison and they're human when they're leaving the prison. What are they while in the prison? You've asked most correction staff annals. If you're American when you come and go into the bathroom and you're American when you leave the bathroom, what are you while you're in the bathroom? European. And that's pretty much what we do to prisoners when they're in prison. We pee on them. Pee on them. We treat them as animals. But we wouldn't even pee on animals. And not they, you wouldn't do it and get away with it. That's for sure. But we treat human beings that way. And actually, I want to go back to the, the spirited conversation I had about this particular one. And, and in, in my emails, uh, as well as the many Facebook exchanges, many people, because I, I was just, my, my response was like, eh, no surprises here. I'm not outraged because I feel like, and, I, and, I, and I'm right about this. We liberals cry about the want for prison reform and criminal justice reform. And for the most part, this is a local issue. States fund their local department. And I get the feds. The feds is a whole nother ball of yarn to deal with because it's just, ugh, there's so much, there's so much to deal with, to deal with the, 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 deal with our Congress to try to get them to do anything. If you said, if we could pass a law tomorrow that said all babies would live healthy, like let's say we had the ability to somehow guarantee that all babies are that. No, let's say we had the ability to pass a law saying childhood cancer was illegal and somehow that it wouldn't exist if we just simply passed the law. It would take Congress years to pass that law. That is how terrible Congress is. That's just how terrible. Because there'd be a Republican out there saying, how much is that going to cost? I mean, seriously, we got to think about the costs here. And I know it's babies, but there's costs. What kind of costs is associated to it? And then there, you'd have some Democrats saying, though, so are we saving just white babies here? Are we going to be funding all? And it'd be, it would be a big, a, a big deal. They couldn't come together on that. If we could pass a law saying there's babies not have childhood cancer and somehow that law would prevent childhood cancer, it would take them years to do it. So federal level, it's difficult. But, but for the most part, you know, the majority of the criminals are, are, are in state, under state jurisdiction and with many states. And states have been since spent a ton of money. I know Louisiana, it's over $2 billion, and Wisconsin's over $2 billion. In fact, the Department of Corrections is the largest budget item in the Wisconsin budget, larger than the educational budget. Yes, they spend more to house criminals than they do to educate students from K through college. Yes. And that's crazy. But my point is that while we, we cry about sheriffs like this saying stuff like this, but criminal justice reform can happen at the local level and it can happen a lot faster. Because you can get states to move a lot faster. Demand a couple town hall hearings from several legislators. The Republicans could say, hey, look, we need to save some money. We're spending a lot of money. And the Democrats could say, hey, listen. This is the, the right, the social justice warrior that you are, oh, Democratic elected official. It's just not right to be housing all of these nonviolent criminals. 
you can hit it from different angles to get both parties to join in the bar. Both would accomplish their goal. The Democrats would get the nonviolent folk released from prison and the Republicans would save their money. It's a win-win for everybody. And it's a win-win for society. But again, in hyper-partisan America, you can't have that conversation. And so, yeah, that's why I was pretty much like meh to the whole conversation. In any event, moving on, there's another story I want to talk about, which a white restaurant manager uh, allegedly uh, enslaved a black man for years, according to federal prosecutors. Uh, this is coming from the Washington Post. A white restaurant, and this is a new article. A white restaurant restaurant manager accused of enslaving and abusing a mentally disabled black man has been indicted by a federal grand jury in South Carolina on a charge of forced labor. Federal prosecutors say Bobby Paul Edwards used force, threats of force, physical restraint, and coercion uh, to compel John Christopher Smith to work as a buffet cook at J&J Cafeteria in Conway, South Carolina for more than five years years. Edwards, 52, was arrested this week and pleaded not guilty in open court on Wednesday after shortly after prosecutors announced the indictment record show. The full title of the charge is Attempt to Establish Peonage, Slavery, and Involuntary Servitude, or Human Trafficking. It carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and $250,000 in fines. If convicted, Edwards will have to pay restitution to Smith. Edwards' attorney, Scott Bellamy, didn't immediately respond to a message seeking comment. Though the indictment was unsealed, it remained inaccessible to the public as of Thursday morning. But details about Smith's alleged enslavement were, doc- were documented in a federal lawsuit civil attorneys filed on, behalf, on his behalf of late 2015. Smith, a 39-year-old with a mild cognitive disability, had worked for more than two decades without issue at the J&J cafeteria, washing dishes, busting tables, later cooking food at the folksy small-town diner. But when Edwards took over as manager in 2010, Smith said the job turned into a nightmare. Edwards would force, force Smith to work from dawn until late into the night, seven days a week with little or no pay, no benefits, no vacation time, Smith alleged. Some days he would have he would leave so exhausted in a week he would have to be carried home and physically fed, drinking food. Smith described Edwards like a slave driver. He said the manager would call him racial slurs and beat him to stomp his throat and beat him until people would not recognize him. Edwards also assaulted him regularly, sometimes taking Smith into the restaurant's freezer or back or back office to keep others from noticing, the lawsuit said. In one instance, Smith said Edwards dipped a pair of tongs into hot frying grease and scalded the back of his neck. Scalded the back of his neck. On another occasion, when Smith didn't bring food out of the buffet fast enough, Edwards took Smith into the back of the restaurant and whipped him with a belt buckle, according to the complaint. Plaintiff was heard crying like a child and yelling, no, Bobby, please, after this beating. Defendant Bobby forced plaintiff to get back to work, the complaint read. The combination of threats and actual abuse made Smith so afraid, the lawsuit said, that he felt coming forward would be fruitless and bring about more aggravated abuse or even death. And while and while, and all the while, Smith lived in a squalor behind the restaurant, a roast-infested apartment owned by Edwards, according to the complaint. Smith attorneys described the conditions as subhuman and deplorable and harmful to human health. Edwards allegedly told Smith that he had a bank account with more than thirty thousand dollars of his earnings, but Smith said he has never what had was never paid any of that money or given access to that account. The restaurant reported that Smith earned less than a thousand dollars per quarter, even though he was regularly working 18-hour days 
according to the complaint. The lawsuit accused Edwards and his brother, Ernest J. Edwards, the owners of the restaurant, of slavery, discrimination, and labor violations. Both have denied both have denied wrongdoing. Like Smith, waitresses at the J and J cafeteria were reluctant to come forward because they feared Bobby Edwards. Bobby Paul Edwards, according to uh, Janine Keynes, the advocate for Smith, who said her daughter-in-law had worked at the restaurant. You know, I'm going to pause right there. This is 2017, people. And in 2017, you have a manager that is so authoritarian. Well, first of all, he's evil because he took advantage of it. It's someone that was cognitively disabled and intimidated him like a slave owner, called them racial slurs, and had the rest of the staff who probably noticed noticed something was wrong, but they were afraid as well. And yes, I'm going to get on my high horse and said, in a unionized environment, this is not happening. Because you can't intimidate a group that collectively bargains. And people talk about the evils of unions, but they offer protections as well. I'm not sitting here saying that they don't have flaws. Certainly they do. We saw this in the case of the, 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 the firefighter in Detroit that got fired for bringing in watermelon. The union didn't back this guy up. The predominantly African-American union didn't back up the white dude. So he was fired. So, yes, the union failed. And union fails when it, when it defends, it, but it has to, bad employees. Certainly, I would, pick that, I would pick that time to kind of throw my hands in the air inside with the company. They certainly can do it. But in this instance, it would have been added you know, a different layer of protection for at least a whistleblower. My goodness. But the owner of this restaurant and, 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 and 250 grand? Mm-mm. It's not enough. And this went on for years. It's not enough. The name of the restaurant should be changed. Just give the guy the restaurant. Pay him or liquidate it and, and, and give and pay this guy out. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But I could I can believe it. I can believe it though. I can believe it. And but and I can also believe that. I I I, I want to see if this guy. I'm gonna follow do a follow up on this on this story to see if this guy gets convicted and gets 20 years. Because then I'll be impressed with the American judicial system. But I'm not I'm not hopeful. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not hopeful. I'm not hopeful at all. So I gotta I gotta ask you guys a question. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pennies politics. Join in on the live blog because I have a question. And this is going to be my first question of the week. And we're going to talk about this into the next week. So if you want to email me to this, it's penny, P-E-N-N-Y-N-N-Y at iunewstalk.com or tweet me at Penny Secor. So there is a prostitution decriminalization bill introduced in the name of protecting human rights. This is an article from The Blaze. Sex workers who are victims of crimes often aren't comfortable reporting them to authorities for fear of being arrested themselves. So some Washington, D.C. council members wanted to decriminalize prostitution. D.C. council members David uh, Grosso, uh, independent at large, and Robert C. White Jr., Democrat, Democrat at large, introduced the reducing, quote, reducing criminalization to improve community safety and health 
Amendment Act of 2017. You know what? They come up with some weird and interesting titles for some of these pieces of legislation. My favorite title for a piece of legislation, the Patriot Act. But in any event, it would help, which would decriminalize this, this uh, I'm sorry, the Reducing Criminalization to Improve Community Safety and Health Amendment Act of 2017, which would decriminalize prostitution and create a task force to study the effects and come up with future reforms. This is about protecting the human rights of our residents, said Grosso. Arresting our way through this has never worked. There's something else that arresting your way through has never worked. But let's continue. Their arguments for decriminalization is that sex workers would be more comfortable reporting crimes to police, which would help expose underage sex trafficking operations. And sex workers can more easily find other jobs because they don't have prostitution arrests on their record. The arguments against it is that Washington, D.C. could become could become the mecca of prostitution because of more lenient laws or it could become difficult to, to, to differentiate between, quote, legal sex workers and illegal tra- trafficking operations. There's a large amount of, quote, collateral crime associated with prostitution, including uh, including drugs and violence. Uh, the bill's prospects the, the county split on the, the council split on the bills on the bill and it would, it would still be tough to get through a republican congress so it faces an uphill battle to be signed into law we have amended the current law over the years recognizes sex workers are often victims of trafficking said councilman phil mandelson in a statement moreover the penalties of the first time offenders are minor and i'm gonna i'm gonna pause there and there's a link to the full bill that's in penny's politics but my question of the week is simply Should prostitution be legalized? Yes or no? Why or why not? And just so that I'm clear, I'm, 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 listen, I want to hear you guys. I'm not being cynical here. I'm being serious. Should, is prostitution a victimless crime? And I'm not talking about, eh, we have the discussion about sex trafficking and all that stuff, but should prostitution be legal? Uh, I want to hear you guys' responses. You can email me, Penny at iunewstalk.com and the subject line just put question of the week tweet me at penny sakura hashtag penny's politics q-o-t-w question of the week or join in of the live blog online on facebook talking about the question of the week should prostitution be legal listen we're going to continue the conversation on the other side of the break we're heading into the fourth quarter the third quarter is over you're listening to penny's politics i'll be back Stay tuned. She don't hit me back, something is funny. So I called her mother's house and asked her, had she seen my baby? Roll my six around, looking for that missing lady. Got back in, turned the TV on and caught the news. And I put my hand on my head, cause I'm so confused. And then I turned the TV down. Cause I thought I heard a squeaky sound. Show your support for the Independent Underground Radio Network, which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows, including Constitutionally Speaking with host Autumn Smith, Third Wave Feminism with host Jenny and Diane, Penny's Politics with host Penny Sequoia, and our flagship show, Independent Underground Radio Live with host Monica RW. So how can you show that support? By going 
one to get the independent underground radio network app for just $2.99 at Google Play or the Apple Store. Just go and put in the search for independent underground radio network go on Google Play or at the Apple Store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate networker shows right on your phone, your tablet, computer, or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the independent underground radio network. Remember, just go to Google Play or the Apple Store, search for independent underground radio network and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent life political anywhere in the world at the independent underground radio network. Independent Underground News and Talk and Independent Underground Radio Network. Advanced Auto Parts is offering 20% off of your first order. Now, to save 20% off your first order, go to www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. Again, www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network to save 20% off of your first order. And make sure that you put in AAP 20 cast for the savings. Now, did you know that Advanced Auto Parts have been in business over 75 years and has helped the nations do it yourselfers fix their vehicles? Advanced Auto Parts is also your source for quality auto parts, advice, and accessories. So go ahead and get your 20% off today of your first order at advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. And make sure you put in the code AAP20CAST for your 20% savings. Every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back, telling me I need you in my Lady, life. Good? Every time I try to call, uh, something keeps telling me that, me that, Join in on the Facebook conversation. A live blog is going on right now on Penny's Politics. The email is still Penny at IUNewsTalk.com or tweet me at Penny Secor or use the hashtag Penny's Politics. The question of the week again is should prostitution should prostitution be legal? Yes, no, why or why not? I want to have a spirited uh, conversation. We're going to revisit this next week as I read some of you guys' responses uh, to that particular question. And uh, in the last quarter, we we're talking about legislation that the D.C. City Council was proposing uh, in response to it. And we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to revisit this next week. Um, uh, we're going to basically going to re- revisit this uh, next week. <sighs> so you can't i can't have a show without having a conversation about a race related topic and this topic is actually kind of tickles me a little bit there's a group on facebook called because florida exclamation point and the reason that the group was formed is you know a friend of mine says that all the craziest stories happen in Florida. If it's a crazy story, it has happened in Florida. And I admit, my state has some pretty crazy stories associated to it. But another topic that you can't you can't avoid is racist topic. 
And so, of course, why not have both a racist, crazy story and have it happen in Florida? And so this is from the Grio. So KK Flyers in Florida threatened to beat black men who talk to white women. And I mean, when I first read this article, I, I immediately began to think, okay, that's either Zephyr Hills or that's Osceola. I was just thinking of the areas in which uh, this state of Florida, which I know there's a huge Klan presence, where I know that black people specifically are just not welcome. I mean, we're there, but we're just, they don't want us there. Certain people, uh, uh, you know, certain group of folk don't want us there. And who cares? But in any event, residents, it wasn't either of those places. Residents of Jacksonville, Florida have seen KKK flyers dropped around the area before, but lately they've come become concerned by a new batch with specific threats against black men. One of the flyers promises violence to black men who look at white women and reads, Notice to all, N-word, any of you black apes caught making eyes, quote, making eyes at a white girl would be beaten with bats and your mothers won't be, won't get Anonymo bananas. That's a promise. No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I mean, let me. I'm sorry. I'm reading this incorrectly. It says, "Notice to all negras." I'm editing it for obviously. Any of you black apes caught making eyes at a white girl, a white girl will be beaten with bats, and your mothers won't get any more bananas. That's a promise. The fire also portrays the only good Jew as the one with a bullet, as one with a bullet in his head. My God. This is in Jacksonville. This is Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, and my immediate response to this was laughter because these guys have lost their mind if they think in 2017 that you're just going to be an intimidate black folks. It's just, I'm sorry, Clan. That may have worked in, you know, during the 50s and 60s and 40s when y'all could commit those crimes behind your sheets and get away with it because white man's world and all white juries were saying that white men were not killing those animals so that you call the black people but clan i got a message for you in 2017 yeah black folks have guns and we're not easily intimidated anymore but i will say this local law enforcement that's it that's kind of terroristic don't you think to make these kind of threats. And if somebody gets beaten, are y'all going to infiltrate and take this group down as a terrorist organization that they are? My prediction is no, uh, but you should. You absolutely should because they have a history of terrorism. Now they're making threats. And if they keep, keep promise, they, if they keep with that promise, they keep that promise and they start beating black men, then what? What will you do? What will you do? And I'm criticized when I post articles like this because people say that, well, Penny, you're being divisive. And I say, how am I being divisive? How is this? I'm simply telling you what's going on. And those same folks that don't want to have this conversation will interject black-on-black -black crime in almost every conversation. If I come up with it, well, education, spending, in urban areas has been cut. Well, what about black-on-black -black crime? If I say police brutality is an issue and a legitimate issue in black, well, what about black-on-black -black crime? 
if I say, you know, we need more public transit in urban communities because people need to get out to their jobs, out to the job centers or where the jobs are. And tra- well, what about black on black crime? They bring it up for everything. But when we want to talk about the Klan, who has had a resurgence as of late, coincidence or not, let's not have that conversation. The Klan is irrelevant. If they smack a person in Jacksonville, anyone that says the Klan is irrelevant needs to eat those words because they're not irrelevant. So long as this terrorist group exists, uh, they're very relevant and are capable of mass destruction. They've done it before. Why should we believe they won't do it again? Yeah. In any event, I want to close with a, a story. So I watched 60 Minutes on Sunday. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not, I've not been watching this show often. Um, but it has begun to, in my lifetime, I can probably count on my hands how many times I've watched this show. And it's been going, it's, it's celebrating its 50th anniversary. And I've only watched it a handful of times in my life. As a kid, my grandmother watched this show all the time, this new show all the time, because it would it would it would come on after uh, sporting events or and right before the you know the evening programming, it would come on typically. And I remember seeing the tick 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 tick, but I never really was paying attention as a kid. Even as I got involved politically in, in a lot of conversations, I would never watch sixty. I wouldn't watch sixty minutes. It just always seemed. That just for some reason that clock just made it seem like th- that clock minute was a boring show. That tick 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 because you only notice the ticking of a clock if you're bored. So that sixty minutes, I never it, I never understood that. I understand it now, but as a, younger I didn't. So I never got into the show. But I've, as of late, it has caught my attention because Oprah was on there a couple of weeks ago, and she did a great segment. And but this week there's another great story. So, and it's talking about big pharma and the DEA, and this opioid epidemic. An epidemic that is killing literally thousands of Americans. From 1999 to 2015, more than 183,000 people have died from overdoses related to prescription opioids. Let me say that one more time. 183,000 people. To put that in a better perspective, that's about 11,000 people a year or about 31 people a day for the past 16 years. And then the data for 2016, I'm not accessing. That is a lot of people. That is a lot of people. But, and actually, no, I take that back. I take that back. Uh, the National Institute on Drug Abuse says that in that they skyrocketed in 2017. Sky, I'm sorry, in 2016. So from the years I stated an average of about 11,000 a year. And in 2016, they skyrocketed to more than 64,000. I, I didn't stutter there. 64,000. That is crazy. 
That is crazy. And so 60 Minutes did a story about how Big Pharma basically took heads took heads from the DEA made them lobbyists and then changed the law taking the teeth out of the prosecution of the distributors and we're talking about big big pharma here they when they knowingly flood so so if i if i'm a if i'm cardinal health I know how many pills I sent to, let's say, Metro West Orlando. I know if there are 30,000 people in Metro West Orlando and I sent 4 million pills over the course of the year, that's a red flag. I know that I need to hold on. Wait a minute. But if I knowingly sent them there, no, because there's a problem. There, if there's 4 million, there's a problem. There's certainly not doctors writing out that many, that many singular doctors writing out that much, that many scripts to singular patients. Patients are getting, you know, going to doctor to doctor. And they, but the, but the pharmacy that is filling them knows. And some of them operate in the black market style and they just fill the prescriptions because that's money in their pockets. And the distributors know this is going on, and instead of stopping them and flagging them, they continue. And so the DEA had been fining Big Pharma, uh, you know, fines in the hundreds of millions of dollars because people are dying here. And so Big Pharma says, well, wait, wait, hold on, hold, hold on, DEA, you can't do this. And so they literally hired former DEA agents to rewrite, rewrote a law to take the teeth out of prosecutions. And a DEA whistleblower who no longer works at the DEA was telling a story about the, the process. And what's funny, right, is that Big Pharma flooded the black market with opioids. Testifying in 2001 that opioids weren't highly addictive. That's what they told Congress, which causes the doctors to start writing all these more and more scripts for this stuff, knowing it was highly addictive. Come on now. Big Pharma spends a lot of money on research and development, or so we're told. That's why prescription drugs are expensive. Remember, we're told that R&D is one of the reasons that the price is so high. That's a crock, but I'm just telling you what they said. So if they did the research and development, they know that they're highly addictive. But in 2001, they testified before Congress, no, they're not highly addictive. And they are. Brett Favre was addicted to opioids. Uh, Rush Limbaugh was addicted to opioids. We saw many celebrities addicted to opioids. And despite all the warnings, big pharmas, no, we're going we're gonna to continue to flood the market. And at a rate of 10,000 people per year, now over 60,000 people per year, at least in 2016, they flooded the market. And they were fined hundreds of millions of dollars. But I just want to show you the, the the let's do a comparison and contrast here. Big Pharma floods the market with the legal prescription drug, knowing that there's a black market for it that they're supplying for and people are dying. Knowingly, they pay fines. Then they say, wait a minute, let's lobby Congress to get the law changed. And let's have one of our own, or one of the DEA's own, because who knows how to get around the law than the former law enforcement officer and they changed the law if you were a, a street criminal 
doing the same thing. You were a kingpin supplying heroin because it's all black market on the streets. And they found that you were selling. You didn't get a lot of prison time. You didn't get to pay any fines. And they're going to take all of your assets. They're gone. But when Big Pharma does it, it's a fine. And now it's not even a fine because they're hard to prosecute. Not because Big Pharma changed the law, which, by the way, Barack Obama signed it in 2016. Because it had the complete support of the Senate. It had complete support of the House. But there, while there are so many problems with this story, not just that thousands of people are dying and we're kind of watching it happen, it, it, brings, it brings to light a, a number of problems. Number one, money in politics. Obviously, money, 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 money. And money in general. Big Pharma makes money off of the black market. They don't care if people are dying as long as people are buying. That's the NRA's motto. I don't care if people are dying as long as people are buying. And so, Big Pharma did what big companies do. Let's, well, let's change the law. And when I say that money being free speech is a bad idea, there's no way a, a regular person could get a law, could, could, could lobby and get a law changed that quickly and that effectively. A regular person say, I, I, I found a way to save babies from childhood cancer. We just changed the law. It would take years. But not only was Big Farm able to get the law changed, they were able to hire somebody because they can pay well. well. You work over the DEA, the people that were prosecuting us, they come work for us. We'll double your salary. We'll give you a corner office and a chauffeur and, and, uh, and Starbucks. Everybody loves Starbucks. And so that's one of the problems. Two, some of these people need to be criminally held, criminally liable. CEOs knows what's going on in their company. So the, the idea that, oh, they, the, well, the company made a mistake, the CEO knows this stuff. If they don't work to correct it, they need to go to prison. When lives are lost, they need to go to prison. Because certainly, prison doesn't work for everybody. But certainly, CEO, they understand getting locked up. They under, it worked for them. And third, the problem with regulations. There are a lot many Republicans and conservatives that are anti-regulation. And I've been saying it for millions of times, uh, you know, dozens of times rather, that regulations are pushed for by big business because they can afford to, to, to deal with the regulations. Small companies cannot. But this is what I'm talking about. It's easy to blame this opioid epidemic on just simply doctors. Bigger than that. Not the doctors, just the doctors. Bigger than that. And government can step in and do something about this and save a ton of lives, but they won't. Because Big Pharma is writing checks to support their campaigns to get them reelected, and they need those checks. And so when Big Pharma says, hey, we want to change the law, Congress says, okay. Unanimously, they said, okay. Despite the fact that we're in the middle of an epidemic, it's going on like right now. So much so that local elected officials, state and local elected officials are saying we need to do this is a public health crisis, which is funny because the crack 
epidemic wasn't a public health crisis, even though it was. We just incarcerated a bunch of folks flooding prisons. But the opioid epidemic, well, that's a, that's a, hey, we have a problem, a public health problem. We need to do something about this, this drug problem. Why is that? I wonder why. I'm not going to say it, but I wonder why that is. But that further illustrates that some sometimes we say that there's a racial undertones. There are, and this is a good example, but I'm not going to go there. Let's let's stick to my issues here. The issues that big corporations, they get away with this stuff all the time that a regular person could never get away with. In a similar situation, you can certainly draw parallels to Big Pharma and a local drug dealer. The only difference is one drug is legal, thanks to the lobbying of the government, and one isn't. But the result is still the same. People are dying. Because opioids are highly addictive. I thank God that I've never, I've, I've taken plenty of opioids. Hydrocodone and Vicodin and I've taken plenty of them because I have had, if you ever been on my Facebook page or Instagram, you see plenty of casts and braces and crutches. Because this dude didn't sprain many an ankle and broken feet and torn ligaments and over the course of my life. And so I've had plenty of opioids. Thank God I'm not addicted to them. But it's real people really get addicted to these things. And then, like many other drugs. UOD. And it's tragic. But it can be prevented. It can be. that We have the tools to prevent this stuff. But we don't want to because then you're, you're hurting the money. Just like with gun control. You can certainly pass gun control in America, deal with some of these shootings, and still allow law-abiding citizens to have all the guns that they want. You can absolutely do it. But we don't want to do it because it's not popular, and you're cutting cutting off money. And so, yeah, there's some conservatives that will say, "Well, you know, money is to be made. Move move the government out of the way." But but do we move government out of the way and allow money to be made when lives are lost? Seriously. I mean, are we that callous? I say yes, we are, because I'm seeing it. It's actually happening. It's not like this is me speculating. This is what's actually happening. People are dying, and we're doing nothing about it. In fact, we change, let's change the law to make prosecuting the killers, which is what they are. Let's, let's, let's kind of lay off them a little bit. This is what's wrong. And even the Dems voted for this nonsense, which shows you how powerful lobbyists are, or at least these particular group of lobbyists. I'm sure Big Farmer went there and was writing checks to everybody. You get a check. You get a check. You get a check. And Congress gladly obliged. And I've said it many times, the problem with American government is Congress, a group who's more popular, has an approval rating just slightly higher than cockroaches. And I mean barely. They could fix this problem, but they won't because there's so much money in in, in politics. If you've ne- if you've never really challenged your local elected official, I, here's a challenge for you, America. 
because a lot of people will say on, on some shows they will he's this penny's a liberal liberal lunatic and he doesn't get it or he's a conservative kook who doesn't get it see what i did there and 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 so ask your elected officials this is, i'm talking federally here how much time do you spend fundraising how much time do you spend fundraising and then google google it and you will see how much parent time, excuse me, how much time parents, how much time uh, elected officials spend fundraising. It's an awful lot of time because their primary objective, their directive, like Robocop, my primary directive is uphold the law. Their primary directive is to get reelected. That's the primary. That's rule number one. And it's really sick that, that, that that's where we are. And big farmers, big business. It's big business. And it's sad. But they're not the only one. We saw it out of the automakers back in the day with the Pinto. We see it out of big pharma now. We see it out of the gun, the gun, uh, the gun lobby now with gun manufacturers now and gun accessories right now. We see it. Lives lost because people that shouldn't have guns have guns. And because local uh, state legislatures want people to constitutionally carry and maybe require some training. And, you know, the NRA is saying, nah, that hinders with the selling of guns. Let's not do that. This isn't new, people. This is not new. The only difference is this is the last one that we've had a conversation about that that I can recall. Big Pharma and guns. I think automakers have kind of moved past regulation and say, hey, you know what, I, we're, we're selling these safety features as a premium on cars, like backup cameras and lane uh, assists. All these are considered premium features. Some people are like, I'll take that. Even though it makes your car safer. Auto braking makes the car safer. But people don't really see it that way because the car industry has done a great job of, you know, advertising this is kind of the premium features. I don't think it would be a good advertisement. Well, the lane assist keeps your distracted driving butt in the lane by beeping when you swerve. That wouldn't necessarily work. But this is that is that's the problem in 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 American government. That's the real problem. That is the truth of the matter. All this talk about regulation, yeah, that ain't the problem. The money is the corrupting piece, and the the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. And oh, these capitalists love their money. And it doesn't matter if lives are lost because they don't care. That is a fact. And if we're ever going to get a handle on this, we have got to address that problem. Money. The money. The money. Take it out of politics. Let's go to a Euro-type system of public, a shorter campaign season in public finance, and then you'll begin to see a, a, a change. If you take away the money, then you won't have that carrot to wave in front of these politicians, and they won't follow it like donkeys and write stupid legislation. Well, listen, that's my show. I thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in next week right here, same bat station, same bat time. 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 Central Time. Uh, just a reminder, this conversation continues off the air in the Facebook group, Penny's Politics. 
Uh, you can also tweet me at Twitter at Penny Sakura or using the hashtag Penny's Politics or email me Penny at IUNewsTalk.com. Also, want to remind you guys to tune in right here on this very network tomorrow at the same time at nine o'clock for our flagship show IU Radio Live with host Monica RW. Listen, I thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, you guys have a blessed and safe week. And thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>